I'm here to talk about a couple of things today as we begin this brand new series together today on prayer called Thoughts and Prayers. Before I jump into that, and I literally want to teach you how to pray today. We're going to do that together by the end of our time together. Before I do that, I have got to stop and say thank you to God for what he did in this place, this sacred place. Like 37 baptisms Sunday morning, three more uh, later that afternoon in a lake, <clears throat> 40 baptisms in the middle of a pandemic. And I can't wait in coming days to tell you all the stories of these folks. One in particular, I got to say, because they're in this service. I got a buddy down here sits in the front row middle. His name is Freddie. He's got his all-in shirt on. A couple weeks ago, I got irritated at Freddie because his cell phone kept ringing in. I had to stop my sermon. Some of y'all were may here. You're like, what's going on there? That's me and Freddie. I found out later, I felt a little bad. He, he has trouble hearing. He wants to read lips, sits front. But I was irritated with Fred. So I met him, uh, you know, before service last week. We, got, we did Matthew 18. We got, we got all together. I was starting to feel guilty about all the stuff going on in his life. Lo and behold, the guy was irritated with Freddie. I look up. I was in the water last week. I looked up the steps. Guess who's at the top of the steps? Freddie. Freddie was ready. He doesn't know it, but I also baptized his cell phone last week. But anyway, that... Uh, that you cannot make that up. So he's right there. Way to go, Freddie. Way to go, Freddie. Yeah. 72-year-old man came forward. Great gentleman. Oh, my gosh. You know what the odds of a 72-year-old man finding help and hope in Jesus and going all in? It's astronomical. And we had the other end of the spectrum, too. Rashad, big strapping young man from our student ministry. Man, he went all in. He saw me before this service last week. He said, hey, I'm going to be up there, go all in. He said, you think you're going to have any trouble baptizing me? I looked up at him. I, I gave him my classic line I give every year, every time we do all in. God has not made the man yet that I can't baptize. Get, get him all in there. <clears throat> and so for, uh, Rashad, lots of others. But one of my all-time snapshot memories that will go in my book on, when I'm on my deathbed will be this. I looked over and saw one of our elders, Bob Stoll, older guy, not that old, but older guy. He was in charge of turning over the numbers where you see 125 over there. That was his job. He was like the sanctified Vanna White. Uh, Bob was over at Turner. I'll never forget the image of him over there turning over numbers in the middle of what I would call a sanctified student ministry mosh pit. That's the only way I could describe it. He was over there, energy, I'm going to tell you, our students, they're not the church of tomorrow, friend. They're the church of today. Uh, this, this is something to see. But baby Christians need to learn what we're going to talk about today. All of us, no matter how long we've been following Jesus, need to learn what we are going to talk about today. I love it. Andrew Murray said it so well. He said, none of us graduate from the school of prayer. None of us graduate from the school of prayer. So let me just begin with a question. If I could ask you uh, uh, this, and you don't have to answer out loud, that might be very revealing. If we we're in a small group, we would just go around and do it. If you could ask Jesus for anything, any request, and know that he would grant it, what would it be? What would it be? Now, a lot of us will pick something very superficial right off the bat, like God, 
please let the Bengals have a winning season. God, please, just this once, would, would you do that? Or could you fix the eternal traffic jam that seems to be everywhere I go in Cincinnati? Could, could you fix that? Or for me, God, could you explain why the food that is the worst for me tastes the best to me? Could you, could you tell me that? Why did you make mosquitoes? I, I don't know. Here's what I've been praying, Lord, could you tell me when all this COVID crap, the doo-doo, is going to go away? I'm done with it. I'm, I'm done with it. I can't wait. If you have not subscribed to my Direct from David, please sign up. I'm going to send you a clip of a video of a preacher who's done with this. He went off. Shut up. That's what he said. And he's saying everything that me and John want to say, but we can't say. So anyway, I'm going I'm to put it on there. You got to check it out. But in this season, if you could ask Jesus for anything, what would it be? Well, of all the things that the disciples could ask Jesus, and they could have asked about a lot, Lord, how did you feed those 5,000? How did you heal the sick? How did you raise Lazarus from the dead? We want to know how to do that. You know what their one request was of Jesus? It's found in Luke chapter 11. Let me read it to you. Verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. We're going to come back to this. It's helpful for you to pick the place that you pray at regularly. He was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, and they're watching him, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples to pray. Of all the things they could ask him, what was their most urgent request? Teach us how to pray. For they intuitively figured out that the secret to Jesus' life, his power, his joy, must have come from the source of prayer, connection, intercession with the Father. So I want us to ask Jesus the same thing for the next four weeks. Lord, Teach us to pray, because it's still prudent for you to know. And we're going to spend the next four weeks doing that. And as I said earlier, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, there's still something you can learn. I am concerned that when we talk about prayer and we say, it, it, it's the phrase of our series, you're in my thoughts and prayers. We, we say that quite casually. I think we underestimate the power of prayer, what it really does, and that most of us don't pray like we should. Or we think we know prayer, but we don't. I heard about a dad who'd been going to church for years, and he bet his teenage son $20 that his son didn't know the Lord's Prayer. His son said, absolutely, Pop, that's easy 20. Here's the Lord's Prayer. Now lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Dad gave him $20, said, I didn't think you could do it. Here you go. I'm concerned that you may have similar habits in your life. And for those of us who grew up in a church of origin where prayer was just a rote, a, a rote routine, ears on, those of you listening online, still our largest campus viewing, listen to what I'm going to say to you because many of us are scared to pray. We're afraid we will pray the right way. We, we won't pray the right way, therefore we don't do it, or we taught how not to do it. Or worse yet, we don't feel worthy to be able to come to God in prayer or we think it has to be a number of other things, which I want to talk briefly about today, which is not. My goal is to get you to pray. Not just to talk about prayer, but get you to pray. 
So here's a question. Where do you go when you need big time help? I'm talking about when life caves in and there's no easy solutions. When the doctor says, I'm sorry, it's malignant. When your teenage daughter says, I think I'm pregnant and I'm not married yet. When, when the voice on the other line of the phone says, this is the hospital chaplain, there's been an accident. When the policeman says, we have your son in custody. When life like that happens, where do you turn? I've noticed, and I've been observing people, I'm a people watcher, and I've been watching you. I know you watch me. I'm watching you very closely these days. And I've noticed how a lot of us respond when life caves in, because I'm around when it caves in. Some people look within. They look within. They're kind of positive thinking people. I'm a strong person. I can get through this. I'll just muscle through it. Some people look down. They become dejected. They self-medicate to make the pain go away. Maybe they eat more. They drink more. They do drugs. Some cut. Some even contemplate suicide. They just get discouraged and depressed. Some people look around. Hey, I'm sure if I could just find the right person on earth, the right counselor, the, the right wise person, somebody around me, I can figure this out. Some just simply look away, pretending that it didn't really happen. If I just ignore it, it will probably go away. How's that working for you these days? Those approaches. A better or wiser approach would be to follow the path of a guy named David, not just this one, but a guy who wrote the Psalms over in the Old Testament. Here's what King David wrote. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? See, he didn't look within. He didn't look down. He looked around, look away. He, he looked up. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Can I just say this? The Lord is the only thing and only person that's going to get some of y'all out of your mess. Financially, relationally, whatever you're going through physically, he's the only, the only help that you can cover. And this prayer works everywhere you go. Darren mentioned golf yesterday. We did golf yesterday, Darren and I, and guess who I brought with me to play? John Tizovich. <laughs> Could I just say this to you? John Tizovich needs prayer for golf. He, he needs help. And I don't know what happened. I think I saw him on the first tee like this, praying from whence comes my help, looking up. I don't know what came over him as anointing. He was hitting shots I've never seen him hit yesterday. He hit, I'm not lying, testify, Ray Coey's there, Darren Key. He hit a shot through a tree, went right through the tree and landed on the green. Somebody's praying for John. Thank you for that. I'm just saying right now. We won too. That's a prayer in, uh, answered in and of itself. But effective prayer for something beyond your golf game, it demands this humble admission of inadequacy. I, I can't tell you how many times I said, God, this is so complex. This is so hard. This is so significant. I can't figure this out on my own. I am like totally dependent on you to bail me and rescue me out and give me power, I won't make it another day. That's the humility I'm talking about. So before you can pray, thy kingdom come, you have to pray, my kingdom go. My identity, all that I have said I can do, I can't do it anymore. 
I love what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, I've been driven to my knees many times by the overwhelming conviction that I had no place else to go. And we can say Jesus is all we need. We can even sing that. But you know when you find out Jesus is all you need? When he's all you got left. And if he doesn't move, I can't move. And that's why our goal as a church is to help you learn how to pray that prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. This is what the early church did. You've heard me say this before. Our goal as a church, because people ask JT and I all the time, like, what is it, what, what's the vision of the church? What, our goal is just to be like the church in Acts. That all the churches ever existed came from that one first church. If ever there's a church right, it was this church. We want to restore that church in its purity, its strategy, its simplicity. And the secret to the early church and the summary of the book of Acts, three simple phrases. You've heard me give it before. The prayers go up. They went up, the power came down, and the people went out. The power won't come down without the prayers coming up. I I have seen church work well, and I've seen it when it didn't. And when this church in Acts and when this church here at Whitewater works well, prayers are going up, power, Holy Spirit, but not human power. Power comes down, and people go out. You can't baptize 40 people like we did last week without some prayer going up and some power coming down. And don't you think the people are going out telling about that? And if ever the church needs to learn to pray as Jesus prayed, it is right now. Because it seems to me that Satan has ultimately done the ultimate street fighting among us because he has allowed us the opportunity. He's provided, I think how to put this, and my guy that I'll send the clip uh, this week can talk about it more. Satan has afforded us and tempted us to believe that each other here on earth are the enemy. Satan is leading and creating a civil war in our country and in our church. And instead of fighting him, we're fighting each other. Something's wrong with that. Now, where do you think that comes from? That's not God. Jesus was the one that prayed. One of his greatest prayers was for us in the church to be one, to be unified, because he knows there's no power in a divided church. I believe Satan's greatest goal is to create disharmony and unity and us fighting amongst ourselves. He's, He's got us right where he wants us. Wake up, friend. This is the work of the evil one. And I think Satan's equally second greatest work is to keep you out of reading the Bible and praying. And so when Jesus answered the question, teach us to pray, how how can we do that? He answered their request. He gave some golden, valuable truth. We call it the Lord's Prayer. A better descriptor is the model prayer. And it's so cool because Jesus didn't so much tell us, you know, what to pray. He told us how to pray. So let me jump in. And before I read to you the Lord's Prayer, which many of you know by heart, I noticed that Jesus told us what we are not to do first. I love this. And I know in this room and those watching online, there are some of you who grew up in a church of origin where you said the Lord's Prayer, but you didn't know what you were praying. Here's what Jesus said. When you pray, notice not if you pray, he assumes you're going to pray. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. (laughs) Oh, I wish I could start camp here a little bit more. Don't be like the people who say one thing and do another. By the way, that's me. 
I don't know if it's you. Hypocrites are those who claim one thing but believe in We have a lot of Christian atheists out there in our world. Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing on the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Notice, it's so cool. Jesus says, there is a reward for praying. You're going to get rewarded right here, he says. The question is, who's going to reward you? Is it going to be men or is it going to be God? I'm holding out for God's reward. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room or your closet, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's a secret prayer. And when you pray, number two, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. So you don't have to pray a lot to, to pray effectively. Do not be like them. For your fathers knows what you need before you even ask it. Like somebody said, well, David, why am I praying if God already knows it? You're not praying so you hear it and know it. You're praying so you will hear it and you will know it. So you can acknowledge it. Man, I, I love this teaching here. Let me give you a quick backdrop because you have to understand the context of their day and it's actually some of our day. The Jewish liturgy in their day, they had prayers for all occasions that they had written. They prayed morning, noon, and night. They had set prayer, times for prayer, but they had these formulas predetermined and memorized to pray. They had prayers that they were to pray before and after each meal. They had prayers for light and fire and lightning and the moon and rain and lakes and rivers. They had prayers for receiving good news. They had prayers that you were supposed to pray when you entered and left the city. Check this out. They even had prayers, I found out in my research, that you were to use when you got new furniture in your house. Now, some of y'all prayed that prayer. Thank God. You know, <laughs> we got Louis the 16th. We used to get Kmart on the 17th. You, you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? New furniture. And clearly there is something wonderful about telling God everything in your life. But listen, their prayers were so prescribed that the whole system lended itself to formalism. And the danger was that those prayers would just slip off the tongue with very little meaning. They became perfunctory. Anybody here, when you grew up and maybe now as an adult, you just pray the prayer because you're supposed to check it off, but you didn't really think about it. It wasn't a conversation. It was a recitation. There was also a tendency to make their prayers in their day long prayers. Because in their mind, the value of a prayer was determined by how hard they prayed, how fluent they prayed, how lengthy they prayed. And they also very ostentatious. They love to pray on this busy street corners and busy sidewalks and city squares, hands and head bowed or lifted up. Oh God, look how great I am and how great you're not. They would pray that kind of stuff. We had a man in my home church who prayed like this. 
you know, when you're growing up, you, you don't know what's going on. Now I know I would all have already had a conversation with this dear man. I'm sure his heart was right, but we had a man who presided over the communion table in my church of origin. Yes, they had this big communion table and the guy, an elder or somebody would get up and they would pray or give a thought, which sometimes the meditation was a sermon before my dad even got up to preach. That's a, that's a problem. But he would get up and he would pray these long, big, formal prayers. And what really drove me crazy is he would pray the same prayers repetitively every time he got up. I could pray the prayer with him, the same words he was using. That's messed up. I was scared of him. Clearly someone else was too, because nobody ever corrected him. His name was George. Again, sure. He's a great guy. When I get to heaven, I'm pretty sure he'll be there and we'll get to talk. But George had, not only when he prayed these words, he had been to Sunday school, perfect attendance Sunday school, and they used to give like, a, like medals, like pins for perfect attendance. He had not missed church in like 57 years. I'm not kidding. His pins, COVID would have drove him out of his ever-loving mind if he couldn't come. He had a length of pin that went below his knee, and when he walked through the church, that thing was swinging. Me and the kids called him the general. That's what we called him. We were scared of him. And there were many people. Some of my church friends were like, this is messed up. Some buddies I played basketball with, you know, in middle school, I'll bring him to church. Who's that guy? They thought if I can't pray like that, maybe I shouldn't pray. I, I, I'm not getting a pen. <laughs> you know, what's up with that? And into that environment in his day and into the environment of our day, Jesus comes along and says, effective prayer is a conversation. It's not a repetition. It's not for others to see. It's for me to see. It's not showy. It's secret. It's not superficial. It's significant. It doesn't have to be long. It can be little and be powerful. Can I just say this? Some of the best prayers of my life are this. Help me, God. Like I can't even get, articulate the words because the pain is so great. He loves to answer those short prayers. So after sharing what not to do, then Jesus presents us in this context. He presents us how to pray. And let me repeat it for you. And we're going to repeat it here in just a moment at the end. This then is how you should pray. Our father who art in heaven, you could add that if you're like a King James person, our father in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. I know we got trespass people among us. Some must say trespasses, cool, same word. Forgive us our debts or trespasses as we have also forgiven our debtors or those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then some of us like to put that final verse and final line in there. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But it starts with our Father in heaven, holy, sanctified, hallowed be your name. So first of all, prayer is entering the presence of God by focusing on him and not you. Acknowledging how big he is and how small you are. I have a burden and an observation since I've been watching people. Does anybody here think that we are more reverent 
and respectful to God today than in the past? <laughs> See, I, I kind of have this feeling that revering and honoring God is part of our problem in humanity and our society. Now, I don't expect those who don't know Jesus to honor him in any way until they say, help me, God, and they call on him. I, I get that. But I think among Christians, we have lost our fear, our reverence, our awe of an almighty God. And if we can't get along or respect a human we can see, God says, why would you respect or honor or show awe to me that you can't see? Yes, he's our father. More about that in a second. But make no mistake, listen to me. He's a good God. He will take you back no matter where you've done. But you first have to say, I'm messed up and you have the answer. He is a good God, but he is good God almighty. To quote the Chronicles of Narnia, he's safe, he's Aslan, but, he, Aslan, but he's still a lion. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I, I don't know if maybe your relationship with God is just getting a little too casual, but when I read in the Bible about people who encountered God, <laughs> it, they weren't buddies. When they saw God for who he is, they fell prostrate on, they, 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 on their knees. They could not get away from it fast enough. Fearful. Let me read you just a verse of a guy named Isaiah who was called to preach to people. Here's how he described his encounter with this God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, high and lifted up, seated on a throne. The train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, angels. These are powerful dudes, these angels. Each with six wings. <clears throat> with two wings, they covered their faces. Two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they were calling out to one another. Here's what they were repeating. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. And notice Isaiah's response. Woe to me. Not wow. Woe, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man. Is this not true for me and you? I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Friend, he is our Abba Daddy, and we're going to celebrate that. But let me tell you right now, when you get a sight of Jesus for who he really is, God for who he really is, you won't be inclined to move up and give him a hug at first. I believe that when Jesus comes back, he's coming as a rewarder for those who are in relationship with him. But friend, he's coming as a judge. Make no mistake about it. He is high and holy, and we are not. And we cannot forget the holiness of God. So when we pray at the beginning, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. <laughs> it's a little different than Ricky Bobby praying to sweet baby Jesus at the dinner table, which is one of my favorite clips, by the way. But if you are engaged in activity that is rebellion against God and you don't care to change it or quit it, you have forfeited your right 
to come to the God, unless you're just coming with, with a broken heart, you have no right to ask God in relationship for something you're rebelling and sinning against God. The student who cheats on a test has forfeited the right to pray for divine intervention for the answer. The thief has no real right to pray he doesn't get caught by the police. With God, you reap what you sow, both good and bad. And as I said in the first service, you might have to think about it. You cannot sow your wild oats and then pray for crop failure later in your life. King David, the guy who wrote this psalm, who had some sins he committed, by the way, but was forgiven, was called a man after God's own heart. You can't come back to God. He is father. He is loving, compassionate, kind, wipes out our sins. But it starts with you being humble. This King David said, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Friend, he already knows what you're doing anyway. He already knows what you're up to. He's waiting for you to humbly admit that ain't working out so well for me and come back home. Now, like a good father, you can pray and sometimes God says yes. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says, wait. Oh, I hate that. Wait. Why? I want it now. I'm microwave. I want microwave God, not crockpot God. I want now. And here's the worst. God says no, but I didn't like the answer. So I'll keep asking. But God said no as much as he says yes. You're aware of this, right? Abraham pleaded for the city of Sodom to be spared. God said no. The full measure of their sin has come before my eyes and my nose. I wonder how long the full measure of our country's sin, where God will say, I'm done, I'm coming back. Our mission is so imperative. I believe we are in the last days in ways you cannot imagine. And our mission is to get everybody in heaven as quickly as we can and preach this good news. But God said no to Abraham. Moses asked permission to enter the promised land. God shut that down. King David prayed for a sick child to recover. The boy died. The apostle Paul prayed for this thorn in the flesh. Man, have I prayed for different thorns in the flesh. Some of them even have names. Thorns in the flesh. Oh, that that was pretty good. Did y'all catch up? I have prayed for some thorns in the flesh to be removed. God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, he said to Paul. You've been forgiven much. You need to learn how to forgive it. See, there are some things that God chooses not to give us because to do so would cripple us. He knows if I answer that prayer like your kid, I want cookies every day or candy. He knows it would hurt you. So he says no, because he knows more than you. He's great God almighty. So to quote the great theologian Garth Brooks, sometimes... I thank God for unanswered prayer. This model prayer we're going to talk about, I think, has the potential to radically change your life and change our church and bring revival to a culture that we don't even know is falling, 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 and doesn't know what to do. At the end of the day, prevailing prayer is not about finding formulas for getting what we want from God. It's a way to connect and get more of God. And that's what we're going to explore the next four weeks. So what I want to do as we close this part of the service 
I want to lead you through the Lord's Prayer, walk you through a, a model. We would call it a guided prayer. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I want to go through line by line through the Lord's Prayer, and I want you to just put your cell phone down. Freddie's already done it. Put your cell phone down. Shut your eyes. I want you to center yourself. I'm not gonna, I can't spend a lot of time on it, but it's just a sample. For some of you who've never prayed, this is your opportunity to learn how to pray like Jesus prayed. It's not hard. And I'm, pay attention to what we do because I'm going to ask you to do this every day at some point this coming week. And then tell me how it went. Silent prayer. This is with you and God. So if you would, just quiet your soul, quiet your spirit. Peggy's going to come and play some music for us to kind of help us to concentrate on not the distractions. I'm sure there will be many. <laughs> this is always when the distractions come. But I'm going to prompt you to pray some things, and I want you for maybe for the first time in some of your life, you are qualified. You can't mess this up. Just talk to God as a person like he's in the room because you know what? He is. And for you who are Christians, he's inside you. So center, and I'm going to begin. Jesus began with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. So I'm going to stop right now. I want you to just take a second and thank God for being your Father. Just thank him for being a Father. Do that. What a good father he is. Then Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we want to pray in this moment, collectively and individually, is we want stuff down here to start looking like up there. So pick one area of this world, of this city, of your life, where you want heavenly influence to come in and come down and work. My heart is moved this morning to our Christian brothers in Afghanistan, sisters who are trying to get out of there. Maybe an earthquake in Haiti. See the Briscoes up here on the front row and it's their last Sunday before they head back to the chaos of Middle East ministry. So just, I'm gonna stop. Where are you asking God's kingdom to prevail and come down right now? Then God said, give us our daily bread. Give us today. I love this. We do get to ask for stuff. First, we've got to glorify him, right-size ourselves. So ask God in this moment to provide something that you need tomorrow or today. Not what you want. What is the Abba Father miracle of provision? Ask him for whatever that is. Ask him for it.
Now here's a big one. This is why you need to do it more this week because this could be minutes, maybe hours if you're serious about it. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So what do you need forgiven for right now today? Maybe it's something last night. (laughs) Say that. God, forgive me for this. And then secondly, whom do you need to forgive? Because you've been forgiven much. God, forgive me for... Maybe there's a face, a name of someone you've been withholding forgiveness. Someone said forgiveness is setting the captive free only to discover the prisoner was you. And then last, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What are you most tempted by right now? Tell it to God. God, I'm struggling with this. You know it already. The devil seems to know it too. Tell him. So God, we could spend a lot more time doing what we are doing right here. May your house be a house of prayer. Teach us to pray, Lord, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And since we're right now in this quiet moment of solitude, reflection, meditation, posture of praying. We're going to move right into our communion time. What a great time today to say a quiet prayer of thanksgiving to God for what Jesus did on the cross. So if you came in the room and you got your communion, if you would get that in your hand, and if you came in the room and you did not get these, one of these bread and juice, if you would raise your hand, someone from our team will come down and give you one. Just keep your hand up. And it says that Jesus, on the night before he was to be betrayed, he gathered with his disciples. Oh, Jesus prayed for our unity even in the upper room. He prayed for us to be one as he is one. He prayed for those who would soon be persecuted. He prayed for those who are far from him that through the message they might believe. It says they prayed, they sung a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. That's kind of our model. We've prayed, we've sung, but Jesus was going out to die. And that's maybe our prayer today. I want to, Father, crucify myself. It's not about me, it's about you. And he broke bread and he blessed it and he said, take, eat, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup, said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood shed for you. As often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me.
Father, may we never forget the price you paid. It is the driver for us to remember you and then respond to you. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And we access that by praying to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So here's your homework. School started. Some of y'all think I was out of school. Here's your church homework. Do this every day this week, just like we've done it. Open your Bible to Matthew, go through the exact lines, and then just mimic what I just said. You will see God. I promise you this, friend. If you do this once a day, every day this week, you will see God show up and show off like never before in your life as he teaches you to pray. And when you say you're in my thoughts and prayers, it'll be different. The Lord's prayer just won't be a ritual that you hear at weddings or hear on the radio. It's a meaningful conversation with a father that loves you more than you can imagine. And I can't wait what God is going to see, what God's going to do as we journey right through the thoughts and the prayers.